Okay. Genesis 3:15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. God's words, of course, to the serpent in the Genesis uh, narrative of the fall. Um, I want to bring it to you this morning because it's the context in which we are all living. Humanity is engaged in a struggle. There's a war on church and we are right in the middle of it. What's interesting is this. Somebody born of woman came and decisively crushed that serpent's head and his time is short. If I asked you if you would rather I bashed your head in or kicked you on the heel, I know which one you would all choose. One is a decisive fatal injury. One is just a bit inconvenient. Church, there's a war on and it's inconvenient. And they're not in. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Shall I just go to the lectern? some biscuits or something or yeah okay yeah. <laughs> back to where we were church I want you to hear this right there is a war on and you are in the middle of it and this is really important to where we're going with our passage today I wonder this morning is anybody feeling the heat of battle thank you Tim anybody else feeling the heat of battle if your hands not up you're probably dead actually. <laughs> Church, there is a war on and I want to pray, okay? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the truth of this passage. We might be struck down, but there's no way we're destroyed because you have the victory. And I pray this morning you would help us to live as people who have that victory. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, um, a young woman went to see her grandma. I told this story on Wednesday, sorry if you were there, you'll know it already. Um, and she told her how life was hard and she didn't know how she was gonna get through things and she wanted to give up. And um, grandma took her to the kitchen and she filled three pans. In one, she put carrots. In the other, she put eggs. And in the third, she placed some coffee beans. She let them boil, and without saying a word, and then she turned the burners off. And Grandma said this, each of these objects has faced the same adversity. They've both been in the heat, in the boiling water, but they all reacted differently. The carrots went in hard. Can you not hear me? Shall I take my earring off? <laughs> There we are. Anyone else like to come up? <laughs> Back to our story, the carrots went in hard and after being subjected to boiling water they became soft and weak. The eggs went in fragile but after getting in boiling water they became hard. The coffee beans were unique, however. After they were in boiling water, they actually changed the character of the water. 
and brought a beautiful fragrance to the whole house. What about us? When hard times come, how are we going to respond? Are we going to be weak? Are we going to let them get us down? Are we going to become hard and tough and difficult to be around? Or are we going to transform the circumstances we are in? Our reading this morning gives us a lot of pointers on this. Um, I'm going to isolate three. There's some really great encouraging stuff in the passage, but there are three lessons I think we could take home uh, today. Um, They're these. Firstly, integrity matters. Secondly, the internal matters. And thirdly, the eternal matters. Please have your Bible open in front of you um, because they will correspond to the three sections of the passage. Firstly, verses one to six, integrity matters. We have renounced secrets and shameful ways. We don't use deception, nor do we distort the word of God, but we set forth the truth plainly and commend ourselves to everyone's conscience. I don't know if you remember doing maths at school. Um, I wasn't very good at it, but you remember these integers? They are numbers which are whole numbers. They have no fractional parts. They're kind of complete in themselves. And that's where we get our word integrity from. J. John once said that um, if people preached what they practiced, most sermons would be censored. Um, I, um, last October, I was on my way to uh, PCC and I was dressed in my trademark black and high heels. and. Um, I hit my head on the garage door and um, I was uh, a little bit stunned and bleeding quite heavily from a head wound so I went to casualty and the nurse was stitching my head up and he said to me "Um, are you going out tonight and I said yeah (laughs) oh I still got it (laughs) I said yeah I'm actually going to a meeting Uh, and he said oh are you not going to a party and I said no Um, and he said we've had a lot of people in here going to a fancy dress party I thought you must have been dressed as the exorcist (laughs) I said no and he said oh so you're a real vicar (laughs) I said yes now tell me are you going to a party or are you a real nurse are you a real vicar are you a real Christian no secret and shameful ways no deception no compromise what people see should be what you are you know we were saying last week weren't we that we are a letter we're a letter of recommendation that is sharing Christ with the world we are the fragrance of Christ Church, we don't exist for ourselves. We are the ecclesia, we are the community set apart for a different purpose, to bear witness to a better way of life through an incomparable saviour. Now this is really important, right, because our passage tells us, doesn't it, that the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers to the light of Christ. I I found that interesting. Bear in mind this letter was written in around AD 55. That's only 22 years uh, after God incarnate walked the earth. How could they not see that light? Let's be clear, church. The gods of this age are alive and well today. 
We'll be looking at three of them, sex, money and power, in our evening services, in our informal services this term. But people are blinded. They cannot see God. And that is your job. Verse 5. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Christ Jesus is Lord. God said, light, let light shine out of darkness, and he made his light shine in, your, in our hearts. Church, you are a sermon. The world is watching us. They want to know if your walk matches your talk. God's light shines in your heart so others will see him. I wonder in what ways our integrity might need a little bit of attention this morning. I'll leave you to think about that one and take it away with you. But that brings us on to our second point, that the eternal matters. We're looking at verses 7 to verse 12. Um, Lewis Smith, the Olympic gymnast, um, was interviewed on Radio 2 last week on The Breakfast Show, and he was talking about his Olympic medals. And he said, Chris, uh, I keep them in the bread bin. And Chris said, why do you do that? And he said, well, burglars aren't going to look in the bread bin, are they? They are now, Lewis. <laughs> his most prized possession, his Olympic medals, his biggest achievement in his life, and he keeps them in the kitchen with last week's Hovis. Paul's making a similar point here of priceless treasure being kept in cheap clay pots. We are weak, not just physically, but spiritually, emotionally. We are vulnerable. And when the enemy attacks or when life gets hard, we feel the frailty of that makeup acutely, don't we? Which is great, because when we feel weakest, that's when God's power is at work in us. So we are struck down, but not destroyed. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Now, looking at um, these verses, 7 to 12, um, they're talking about death again and resurrection. Have you noticed how many times in the epistles we're told that we died or that we have to die? Um, it's a bit odd, isn't it? Um, and I would say this, you see, being born again isn't just a get-out-of-hell ticket. It's not even just an exchange for keeping the rules to being in a relationship. It's something a bit bigger than that. It's about the Spirit of God drawing us to participate in Christ. And participation in Christ means that you die and you rise. Every day. At every challenge. So, if you're in senior management and you want to lose it with a client, you die to yourself. You choose to behave with integrity. If you struggle with an addiction, you die to self. You tell that addiction it has no power over you. If you're fed up and doubting your faith, you die to self and you claim the promises of God's faithfulness, which we just did as we sang that lovely song, Faithful One. Psychologists talk about the voice. It's a powerful impulse in all of us which uh, tells us how to behave. So, you know, that kind of, oh, I need a cup of tea, that kind of voice that's, that's inside of us. And uh, for the alcoholic, for example, that says, you need a drink, go on, you deserve one. And Alcoholics Anonymous say to counter that, you have to say to the voice, no, 
you might need a drink. I don't drink anymore, so get lost. I like that. <laughs> you see, church, we are weak, but Christ is in us. He is the priceless treasure. Satan wants to knock it out of you, right? But when he tries, what does scripture say? Resist the devil and what? He flee from you. Yeah. It sounds very simple, doesn't it? Um, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. This is so important for us today. I've had quite a few people say to me this week, I feel like we're under attack here. It's really important. You know what, Satan? You want us to be discouraged and give up on church. But Christ is in us, so get lost. You want to break our relationships. But Christ is in us, and we're bearing with, it, with one another, so get lost. You want to bring us down. You want to disillusion us. You want us to be slaves to our hurts, habits, and hang-ups. But Christ is in us, and we know who we are in him, so get lost. Are you with me there, church? <clears throat> His time's short. We're made of clay. We're weak, we're frail, we're sinful, but that treasure is within us. That is Christ. We carry around his death and resurrection in our frail bodies because dying to ourself brings the victory. Which brings us on to our third point, the eternal matters. When the Spirit draws you in to participate with Christ and you die and rise, you're not left in that vacuum, right? You rise with him to a new hope. Someone asked Karl Barth once when he was saved. Do you know I quite like Karl Barth? Have you noticed? <laughs> Somebody asked him when he was saved and he said, AD 33. You see, church, it's not about you when you decided to follow Christ. It's not even about you having a life on earth, then a life in heaven. Your life started in AD 33 when Christ was raised from the dead. You participate in that life of Christ. Um, one of our kids was asked in physics, why can we not remember the future? Now, have we got any physicists here this morning? I, I have no idea why we can't remember the future, but I do know this church. We can remember our future. We remember our future every time we meet around the Lord's table. The future is assured, and we remember that together. Your frail body may be crumbling, but you are being renewed every day in line with the promises of God. Every hardship you go through is gaining for you a glory, which far outweighs anything you can go through, anything you can suffer. Most of you know um, my mum's been very ill. Uh, for some years now, she's been struggling with dementia. She's had some really hard times, and it's broken our hearts to watch. But you know... <laughs> Those troubles are just minor compared with the glory that God will reveal in her in the new creation. It's just, there's no comparison. It's just momentary, church. Momentary. So don't focus on your current struggles. Fix your eyes somewhere immovable on God's promises and the eternal hope that you've got in him. So church, uh, in conclusion, when troubles come, how are we going to respond? What's our narrative going to be? Are we going to become hard and resentful? Are we going to be soft and crumble and fall apart? Or 
Are you going to allow God to transform your circumstances with a bigger vision of him? By choosing to live with integrity. By valuing the treasure that is within you. And by setting your sights on the hope you've got in him. Let's pray. We don't lose heart, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Heavenly Father, we don't want to lose heart this morning. Please transform how we feel about our circumstances so that we can see your glory at work in us so that Jesus will be given the attention and people 